Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The History Channel original podcast. The Chicken McNugget. I'm sure you have at some point in your life tasted this bite-sized chicken snack, whether on the road or as a treat for the kids. It's a quick and easy meal Americans just can't resist. So from the age of five until, gosh, I was in college, the McNugget was my favorite thing on the McDonald's menu. Whether it was six nuggets or nine nuggets to 20 nuggets to by the time I got to college, they rarely rolled out this 50 nugget offer. And I sat there at eight fifty nuggets. And it's still to this day, I will go to McDonald's and I will order chicken nuggets. That was journalist and cultural influencer Marcus Dowling. It's hard to overstate how much the McNugget is beloved in American fast food, especially for those who, like Marcus, grew up on it. The Big Mac was for my uncle. The filet fish was for my mother. But then when you saw the chicken nugget, and they were small and they were bite-sized, and they were more approachable for a young person, I was in. But believe it or not, the McNugget was a later addition to McDonald's menu, debuting nationwide in 1983. And it might have never even existed, if not for a rivalry between two of the biggest fast food chains. This is the food that built America. Stories of innovation, taste, and good eats. Today, we'll take you back to the 1970s and follow how chicken and the McNugget became a mainstay in fast food. I'm your host, Jonathan Hirsch. In the 1970s, fast food chains were popping up in every corner of America. It had become a billion-dollar industry, something that had started in the suburbs, but eventually moved into the cities. Small companies were getting bought by big ones, and fast food giants were starting to emerge. This is Adam Chandler, the author of drive Through Dreams. By the 1970s, fast food is starting to rival independent restaurants and smaller, smaller chains. This is where people would go to congregate, to hang out, to relax. And that became part of the dining culture of fast food. And it's really become an undeniable force in American culture. A force dominated by one titan. Nobody! 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 Nobody can do it like McDonald's can. Nobody! McDonald's was the biggest and the best. At the time, their newly launched Egg McMuffin was a runaway success for Americans on the go. Americans are time-strapped, and they need food quickly, and they want something that's cheap, and they want something that's easy to get, and that will make their families happy. But the competition was growing. By 1978, there were some 60,000 fast food restaurants, representing over 300 rival chains. The fast food industry is bigger than anyone had ever expected by the 1970s, but they are pushing very hard against each other. There's a true corporate warfare going on. Libby O'Connell is a historian at the Smithsonian Institution. They're always looking out for how to beat their competition. Trailing McDonald's for second place was another fast food chain you may have heard of. The bigger, the bigger, the bigger. 
Here's a bigger at Burger King. But it wasn't quite living up to its name as The King. About a decade earlier, the chain's founders had sold to Pillsbury. Chandler again. Pillsbury is old school. They move slowly. Large corporations move slowly. And Burger King is not necessarily their top priority. Burger King was sort of without its compass. When a founder leaves a company, a lot of the original spirit that guided its creation and its innovation throughout the years leaves. Pillsbury needed new leadership, someone who could jumpstart Burger King's lagging sales and make them the forerunner in fast food. So, naturally, they went to the best in the biz, McDonald's. In 1977, they recruited a man named Don Smith, a 36-year-old protege of McDonald's former CEO and chairman of the board, Ray Kroc. Don Smith rises up through the ranks as somebody who proves himself to be quick-thinking and energetic and very shrewd. Smith was ambitious and wanted to supersize his career. And Don Smith is a prime example of somebody who had big ideas, wanted to create something huge, and ultimately found himself not in a role of being a decision maker that he wanted. When Don Smith gets approached by Pillsbury, he has to weigh all of these opposing factors. You know, do I stay loyal to Ray Kroc? Do I stay loyal to McDonald's? Or do I take this opportunity to turn something that, in Burger King, could grow into a huge juggernaut as well to its full potential. Smith saw an opportunity. For Kroc, it was a betrayal. Upon learning of Don Smith's defection, it's safe to say that anyone within a half-mile distance of Ray Kroc probably heard his voice. He's affected by the lack of loyalty. He takes it personally, and that's how he's always run his businesses. Smith was the perfect guy to bring Burger King up to speed, especially because of his inside knowledge. What Don Smith brings to Burger King is an institutional knowledge of McDonald's and also a successful operations process that is unrivaled across the food world. At the time, Burger King had implemented a system focused on efficiency. It was following the lead of McDonald's, says Martha Chatlin, author of Franchise, The Golden Arches in Black America. McDonald's had led in the market with its efficiency in creating a lot of burgers, a lot of french fries, and a lot of milkshakes fast. Burger King tried to adopt a similar method of mechanization called the Big Mama system. And it was a way of tracking how much product was being brought into restaurants and how much product was being brought out. Yeah, you heard that right. Big Mama. It was basically a company-wide computer system meant to reduce theft and focus on efficiency. It was meant to be cutting edge. After all, computers were just emerging at the time. Instead, created other problems. It depersonalized the customer experience. And it didn't really take into account the various ways that people enjoy eating. And it didn't allow workers to really focus on the quality of the product they were delivering. Don Smith knew well the golden rule in fast food. The customer is always right. Burger King needed to return to its core values. Soon, Big Mama was out. And in its place came a Burger King ethos about having it your way, specializing products and customizing products so that the consumer would always get what they wanted. What Smith brings from McDonald's is a focus on the customer that is peerless across the industry, a focus on making the customer happy, knowing what the customer wants. He launched a project called Operation Phoenix. Which is a calculated attempt to bring a lot of the business attributes of McDonald's into the Burger King system. 
The first thing Smith does is he starts picking up all the same suppliers, all the same methods from McDonald's. Down to the French fry shortening and fry machines that McDonald's was using so that it can take some of its most valuable assets and incorporate them into Burger King's operations. Smith even switches Burger King's fries to the same Idaho potatoes used by his former employer. And he starts development on a competing breakfast sandwich that will one day lead to the croissantwich. The strategy worked. Burger King appeared to be rising from the ashes. In the immediate aftermath of, of Operation Phoenix, Burger King sales grow, their menu expands, and they begin to sort of get their mojo back. But if you think McDonald's was on the sidelines, just watching it all happen, think again. McDonald's CEO and chairman Ray Kroc wasn't having it. Ray Kroc was one of the most competitive people American business has ever known. He must have viewed Burger King as the ultimate usurper. Kroc had a secret weapon. He had recently hired a gourmet chef named Rene Arendt. Rene Arendt, who had cooked meals for Hollywood stars, who cooked for Queen Elizabeth. Arendt wasn't your typical fast food guy. For Ray Kroc, creating something that is outside of the box, that is unique to McDonald's, requires thinking that goes beyond what his ordinary kitchen suppliers and sort of cooks and chefs and owners were doing. For Arendt, it was an opportunity too. It's an amazing challenge because your creations are gonna reach millions of people and you get to put your stamp on the national palate. For any chef worth his salt, you want to have influence. And having influence meant evolving with the times. In the late 70s, the food tastes of America were changing. At the time, fast food menus were dominated by one thing, hamburgers. But in 1977, a U.S. Senate committee released the first set of dietary goals in the nation's history. They recommended Americans reduce their consumption of cholesterol and saturated fat. Red meat wasn't looking so good. Brian Simon is a professor of history at Temple University in Philadelphia. Physicians and medical professionals in this country begin to observe a relationship between the consumption of red meat and heart attack. People begin to look for alternatives to red meat. For McDonald's, that was a problem. A group of people would leave the office and they would say, well, what do you want to eat? And one of them would say, look, I don't want to eat red meat today. You know, I hear it's bad for you. And they would bypass McDonald's and go someplace else. Of course, now we all know the health risks of eating meat. But back then, it was new and causing a panic in the fast food industry. Here's O'Connell again. Beef was always beloved by the American population, but these federal dietary guidelines would have an impact. One of the groups that feel that impact are the franchisees like McDonald's and Burger King. Now, Ray Kroc was famously a man who hated regulations. So he was not fond to hear of the government's suggestion that Americans eat less red meat. If people were eating less red meat, what could McDonald's offer them? Chicken hadn't really become widespread in fast food the way it is today. Not a lot of places were serving chicken in the 1960s and 70s, the way that they were serving hamburgers, the way that they were serving French fries. Kentucky Fried Chicken has already cornered the fried chicken market, but Americans were looking for more of it. This really opens up the whole audience in America to eating more chicken. Chicken is healthier for you. Beef is filled with saturated fat. 
Chicken had some big challenges for fast food restaurants. For one thing, it was a harder product to scale, to make uniform and easily packageable, the way you could with a beef patty. You can thank all those darn chicken bones. In fast food, the chicken is the most difficult thing to prepare. It doesn't come in standard sizes. It has all these different pieces. It's hard to mass produce. It's hard to scale reliably. Creating chicken that would scale and and reproduce and actually look the same and taste the same everywhere was a real challenge. Beef is easy. Chicken is hard. But Burger King was up to the challenge. That's after the break. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With Don Smith at the helm, Burger King was already hard at work creating beef alternatives for the menu. The arrival of Don Smith revs up their engines, gives them new products, and gives them a new lease on life. He introduces the idea that, hey guys, we don't just have to have hamburgers. We can sell some other things and maintain the quality and uniformity. It wasn't long before they found a hit. Four, to be exact. In 1979, they debuted their new menu items, a cold ham and cheese, a chopped beef steak, a new fish sandwich, and last but not least, the original chicken sandwich. It's a hoagie roll with ground chicken, and it's a pretty simple concept, but most importantly, they come by it faster than McDonald's is able to come by a chicken sandwich or a chicken item. All of these are like, wow, this is crazy stuff. We're adding new ideas on our menu, which had traditionally really been driven by the hamburger patty. The original chicken sandwich changed the game. Burger King was giving McDonald's a run for its money. By the late 1970s, you start to see Burger King kind of gain ground on them for the first time in maybe a decade. And a lot of that has to do with Don Smith and being able to make changes a little bit more quickly to consumer demands. All of a sudden, McDonald's was finding itself in an unfamiliar place. Second best. When Burger King beat McDonald's to bringing a chicken item to market, Ray Kroc absolutely swarmed around his team to find an answer and find one quickly. So they begin the process, a long process, of determining what food will capture American palates. Their secret weapon, Chef Rene Arend, was hard at work. His task, find a way to create a uniform, repeatable chicken dish that will be the same at every location, every time. But he was stumbling. Rene Arend is really trying to push the envelope to find a non-beef item to add to McDonald's menu. And he struggles. 
the McGobbler turkey sandwich doesn't pest well. And then there is a cheddar melt, which also flops. He even developed a chicken pot pie. But McDonald's was all about food on the go. Pot pie doesn't quite work that way. I guess you could say Arend was a little out of his element. But he did have one creation with some potential. Rene Arend tries out an onion nugget. And it isn't a hit, but it isn't a total miss either. The onions weren't exciting, but the nugget, it was a revelation. The nugget is the way, is the perfect vehicle for the chicken. And now they just have to sort out how they're going to make it possible. Simon again. So he begins to think of the nugget products as a way to kind of market chicken and create a new chicken product. And you'll remember at the time, pretty much all anyone knew was KFC fried chicken and Burger King's new chicken sandwich. Chicken nuggets were unheard of. The nugget was new. The nugget was different. And it was something that had kind of emerged out of thin air. While the idea was exciting, implementing it was a challenge. One of the reasons why there's a delay on serving chicken in franchise fast food restaurants is that deboning chicken takes a while. They don't have the technology to do it quickly. Scaling the nugget soon became McDonald's top priority. McDonald's forges the McNugget SWAT team, which is a collection of culinary specialists within the company that work to create the Chicken McNugget in very quick time. <laughs> yeah, the McNugget SWAT team. They weren't taking this lightly. To create a McNugget is an obsession for the team at McDonald's. And it's this obsession that permeates the culture of McDonald's from Ray Kroc on down. And that's how the SWAT team delivers the McNugget to the world. They eventually create an assembly line to efficiently debone chicken by hand and re-engineer a hamburger patty machine to process the chicken parts. They're basically rethinking the entire concept of an animal, the chicken, and how it's processed. What is developed is a process that can just rip the white meat off the chicken and turn that into processed chicken that can be shaped into these little chicken McNuggets. That's going to change the viability of chicken. The company chose four different shapes for the nuggets. A bell, a ball, a boot, and a bow tie. But Chef Aaron didn't stop there. The nugget on its own wasn't going to cut it. It needed a certain je ne sais quoi. And that's where Aaron's French culinary training came in. One thing that Rene Aaron brings to McDonald's is that European sensibility, which involves a lot of sauces and cooking, which isn't necessarily a part of the American experience. Aaron develops their now signature McNugget dipping sauces, barbecue, mustard, sweet and sour, and honey. Simon again. The most brilliant thing about the chicken nugget is the dipping sauce. Because what that does is take an everyday product and allows you to change it all the time. A McNugget without sauce is like ketchup without fries. You absolutely need it there to bring the whole invention to its fullest form. While the nugget is standard fare today, back then it was a radical departure from the fast food norm. The first thing about the chicken nugget that's really important is it essentially uses leftover chicken parts. Chicken that can be sucked off the bone, chicken filler, you know, all kinds of things that are products that aren't always used. And he turns those into something. The second thing he does is he coats it with a very appealing crust that gives chicken a whole new mouthfeel. And it was extremely satisfying. And the taste of the McNugget is 
reminiscent of breading and reminiscent of chicken and reminiscent of sugar and reminiscent of salt and all the pleasure centers that kind of light up when you eat something delicious. After finding success in test markets, McNuggets are officially on the McDonald's menu nationwide in 1983. Introducing Chicken McNuggets. McDonald's new McNuggets. A McNugget is a boneless chunk of tender-tasted chicken with four kinds of sauce to choose especially for dipping. They're a smashing success. There are a few ways to overstate how wildly successful the McNuggets were. Local newscasts were filming outside of McDonald's across the country showing lines of people waiting to try the McNugget, being upset when they ran out of stock. They were so popular, by the way, that McDonald's biggest challenge was finding the right pipelines that could bring in enough chicken for them to serve McNuggets all over the country. It's not until 1983 that every McDonald's in the country is able to serve chicken McNuggets. Within months of its debut, the McNugget makes up 20% of sales, making it the most successful McDonald's menu item ever launched. In the first year, it had $700 million in sales, which is, by any stretch of the imagination, more than Ray Kroc could have dreamt of. The McNugget went on to inspire countless knockoffs. And so within moments almost, right, every company around the country is figuring out a way to kind of make various forms of nuggets. And it's just amazing, right, how quickly it becomes you know, an absolutely essential kind of part of the American diet. And some of our favorite chicken meals have their origins in the nugget. The chicken tender is like the kind of cousin of the chicken nugget. You can't have the chicken tender without the nugget sort of paving the way for it. The McNugget's popularity changed the chicken industry as we know it, including how chicken is processed, even how it's bred. McDonald's has to figure out a way to scale this thing up. And they enter into a deal with Purdue to basically transform an entire production plant to make chicken for McNuggets. And this also means creating a breed of chicken that is even more top-heavy than the ones that have been bred before. McDonald's' increasing popularity would go on to transform food and agriculture in America. While Burger King gave McDonald's a run for their money, they couldn't beat out the McNugget. The bold innovation inspired new favorite menu items like the McRib and the McChicken sandwich. It was ironic. What started as a McDonald's loss, the loss of Don Smith, ended up propelling them to their biggest success yet. In 1980, Smith was poached by PepsiCo to oversee their newest fast food chains, Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. And of course, now we all see chicken as an integral part of fast food. The McNugget is not a technical part of a chicken, but was a core idea that McDonald's developed into becoming something that we make synonymous with chicken now. If you like this podcast, then you'll love watching the Food That Built America TV series on the History Channel. Go to history.com to find out how you can watch The Food That Built America today. The Food That Built America is hosted by me, Jonathan Hirsch. At the History Channel, our executive producers are Jesse Katz, Mary Donahue, and Jim Pascarella. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn. From Neon Hum Media, our executive producer is me. The series is produced by Muna Danish and Kate Mishkin. 
Our associate producers are Chloe Chobel and Rufaro Faith. Our editor is Maura Waltz. Samantha Allison is our production manager. Alexis Martinez is our podcast coordinator. Sam Baer and Josh Hahn are our mix engineers. Music from Blue Dot Sessions and Epidemic Sound. And fact-checking by Naomi Barr. The Food That Built America was originally produced by Lucky 8 TV for the History Channel. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.